Okay, so we had episode three today. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. With Mr. Chris Prescott. Yes, Mr. Chris Prescott. Who, oh, we didn't even get to talk about his nickname that he goes by, which is Zoomy. Oh gosh, we didn't. <laughs> wow, a missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah, but we did talk about uh, a bunch of other things, such as um, we talked more about like the mental health issue, like going through quarantine and COVID and um, his experience with that. And then... We talked a lot about the high school experience, like high school, wanting to become a high school teacher. And um, he said it was always kind of like a dream of his to become a high school teacher in some way because he enjoyed his high school experience and his coach. Um, so it's cool to see him. He talks about his journey into teaching, and I think it brings like such a great perspective into like what a teacher's job really is. He's so well-spoken and he has so many great ideas. And I even think his background of um, not becoming, not being a teacher right out of college, but his experience through accounting and um, other career paths that he's taken um, definitely helped bring another perspective to him that it was nice just to kind of sit back and listen and ask more questions. So we hope you all enjoy it as well. Well, I am uh, Mr. Prescott, Chris Prescott. Uh, I am the business teacher at Overbrook. Uh, I'm also the winter track coach, the spring track coach for the boys. And I um, was the middle school cross country coach, but we didn't have a season. But I also teach my my class uh, listing has expanded pretty wide this year. So now I teach accounting. I teach a sports marketing class. I teach entrepreneurship class. Uh, and I also teach financial literacy and a class called Google Drive and Cloud Computing. And I am uh, a white male. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess before we even get into anything, you've had a pretty interesting journey on like getting into teaching. So if you want to like get share that. So um, I guess I'll go to the beginning. I started my career as an accountant. I went to Lehigh University and um, I initially really wanted to actually be an engineer. My older brother went to Lehigh, loved it, and uh, Lehigh is a really strong engineering school. So I went there with that desire. I got into engineering. I, I did actually really like it, but there was like aspects of it that there was like coding, which at the time I, I really didn't feel like coding. I didn't want to do that. Um, now, I, like, I actually am pretty interested in that. It's funny how those things change, but at that time, I was like, I don't want to do this. So I switched to the business school because Lehigh had a really good accounting program. So I got my degree in accounting. I started, I did two years in public accounting, which is like you audit big companies that have to issue financial statements. I, I actually kind of hated that. Not gonna lie. <laughs> and uh, it was long hours. Uh, everyone was miserable. They, you know, you sat in a room for like literally 12, 13 hours a day with people. And it was just too much. So then I left and I went to Penn Medicine, which I was at Penn Medicine for like, six or seven years. And I loved it there. When I left, I was the, actually the supervisor of the accounting department at one of their hospitals. And then from there, actually, I got, the only reason I left there is because I got offered a job at my church uh, to be like the business guy there. And I went there for a couple years and that just wasn't really what I thought it was going to be. And it was, I, it was just like this weird time where like, because I, I had honestly taken a big pay cut for the job at the church, I had reduced my budget down to a time when I was just like, you know what? 
I've saved a lot of money. I can go for this dream that I've always had, which is teaching. And I just ended up like, it was like, honestly, like a miracle, like somehow or other, I got it done really quickly. A job opened at like Overbrook and it was basically the only job I got called back for. And then I got it. But yeah, so that's kind of like my journey. And, and now I've been here for I think this is my third year of teaching, which due to COVID is basically like one and a half years of actual class time. But it's great. It's like, this is the first job that I've had where I, I just like can see myself. Like I love being at Penn Medicine and everything. I really did. I could have stayed there, but like, this is the first job where I feel like I, I just like being here, which is why I'm here on a Wednesday. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mr. Prescott is in his classroom on Wednesday. Wednesdays, we are able to teach from home, but uh, when he signed on, I was like, are you at the school? Yeah. I'm thinking next Wednesday, mid-marking period, you know, get some stuff oh done. Oh my God. It's already mid-marking period next Wednesday. I know. That's, I, that school year goes so fast. It's flying. I feel like always after winter break, the school year just feels like it's mm-hmm. flying by because then you're into Martin Luther King, President's Day, February is a short month. And then once you yeah. get to March, you're just like, oh my gosh, wow. Yeah, it's funny. I was thinking of this on the drive, not even actually really knowing that that, that we were going to talk about like career paths, but just thinking about how fast the, the year was going. On the drive in this morning, I was like, it's weird that this is the first job I've had where there's like time horizons. Like you have like mm-hmm. things that, that happen and you, you're like looking forward to them or like, you know, they're, they're, you know, just something that you're moving towards essentially. So like graduation and, and, you know, spring break and things like that, where it, it makes time feel different. I don't know why, but when you have other jobs, everything is just a cycle and there's not really like, I don't know, there's not really anything to look forward to. And it just, it just has a big, like different feel that, then being a teacher or being a teacher just has a different feel than having another job because you do have these things that you are looking forward to or that like kind of break up the timeline. Yeah, that is true. It like breaks up, not the monotony, but it just like puts margins within your right. like time yeah. schedule. Like yeah. I know this will, and then spring break and then it just, yeah, it breaks it up. That is, right. it's like being in school forever, right? Like <laughs> literally. Yeah. I tell my accounting class, looking forward to spring break. <laughs> I tell my accounting class that like when you when you have a job in accounting, it's essentially doing accounting homework for for eight hours a day for fifty two weeks a year. <laughs> wow! But teaching, there's a lot lot more going on than that. Yeah, it's so interesting people's different journeys into getting into teaching because you find people that have just always wanted to be teachers and then you find people that have done like alternate route or like have mm-hmm. have these other careers and then got into teaching or it's right. so interesting. Yeah, I probably should have mentioned, I guess, in my, my opening spiel that I, well, I am an alternate route teacher. Right? I guess that was kind of a given mm-hmm. since I got an accounting degree. I did go alternate route, which is really an awesome program, in my opinion, that that you know, maybe people didn't settle on or they, they've had like me, they've had the dream to be a teacher, but like just couldn't get their mind to settle on it for a while. And like, it's almost like if they didn't have this program, all these people who have this passion to teach, but didn't realize they had a passion would have been excluded or had to go through four years of school and, you know, probably wouldn't be willing to do that. So it's, right. a, it's an excellent program that they've implemented. I, I believe. Right. Like would have had to go back and all that. Adam was mm-hmm. alternate route. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he, oh, yeah, I always forget that. Yeah. When I interviewed with, with Adam, he um, was like, told me, uh, basically was like, listen, I don't care that you're alternate route. Like I was alternate route. I, I just want to see what kind of person you are. I want to see if you're um, willing to, to stick around and stay here and put in the work. And he's like, 
we can teach you how to be a teacher. We just want good people that will care for our kids, teach our kids well, and then, you know, serve the community essentially. And, you know, that made me feel really good. It made me feel like I had a shot when I walked in. Um, yeah. Because of that. That's great. You found your, you found your dream, not found your dream, but you pursued your dream. And you know what? Like we, so I teach junior. So Sharon Nadelback and I shout out to Sharon, our girl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We do a lot. Like once winter break ends, we work a lot with my juniors figuring out like what's next. And we always talk about like, because then they'll always get these anxieties and worries of, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I want to major in. And I'm like, it will change probably so many times and that's okay. But like, what is somewhat of a plan? And even Sharon has like a crazy journey. Like she wanted to go into business. (laughs) And I'm like, I can never picture that. (laughs) No, no, no. She found her dream as being um, the media specialist. She's, she is the most, um, enthusiastic media specialist I've ever met. I love her. She she just like crushes everything. She and really does. Like, she has a resource for literally everything. Resource queen. She used to it used to be like, hey Mr. Prescott, can you help me out like with this Google app or whatever, see how it works. Now it's like now she comes to me and she's like, hey, you should be doing this. I'm like, oh okay. <laughs> like she just has all the knowledge. How the tables have turned. I know. <laughs> But she'll make sure that they turn. That's <laughs> she yeah. used you to learn, and then once she got it, she's yeah. on it, and she's making off her videos. That's right. She, oh, yeah. she turns it and then supports you. That you know? yes, yeah. Not she bad. turns it just so she can like kind of be ahead of it, so she feels like she's supporting you rather than asking yeah. for support. Great lady. Yeah. Shout out to Sharon. Um, so I guess like one of the first questions we have, we can segue into that mm-hmm. is cause we asked Alec Nikolai last week too. And I, I think it was a pretty interesting question. Also, like, I don't think, cause then we talked about, we don't know, we don't know the versions of each other in high school. So that was so interesting. Yeah. So what was the high school experience like for you? So I, I loved high school. I'm not going to lie. I think that actually probably led into me wanting to be a teacher. Like my high school experience was it was rough to start. <clears throat> like I can remember being in ninth grade and, and like not really, or really actually my, so my high school is, I went to Hen Township High School, which uh, when at the time I was going there, actually the high school itself was seventh to 12th grade. So middle schoolers were mixed in. We all went to school together. So seventh and eighth grade, I think is a weird time for anybody, but like, I just was like short, kind of chubby and <laughs> like just not very confident, I don't think. And I, and I didn't have a lot of friends and I remember just being like lost, but then I made like one really good friend and it, by like ninth grade, him and I just kind of like expanded our friend group to the point where like, I just had like the best friends and, you know, I'd go to school and essentially just be like hanging out with my friends and we were all, you know, we'd all go to class together and, and I um, was able to, I ran cross country and track in high school and I did like all the, I, I mean, I just, try to do as much as I could. I did. I was in the fall plays. I was in the musicals, the one act plays. And, and Hen Township is like a weird, at least when I was there, it's like a weird place. Like, I feel like when you talk about classical high school, there's like cliques and there's like popular cr- crowds and they you know, unpopular crowds. But in my high school, it was just like, at least from, from what I experienced, like even like the quote unquote, like popular people, you know, we just all hung out together. It was like, it wasn't really clicky. Like there were some clicks, obviously, but it was just a, a really fun time. Like everyone knew everyone. It was also a small school, Hen Township small. 
Yeah, that's what I was going to um, ask. So I think I graduated with 166 kids. And I, I like wow. to this day, I could probably name most of them, you know? I don't know. I, I really just, I loved it. I, I probably could have, I mean, I did well. I could have probably applied myself, but I can remember just like coming into school and being, you know, I'm, I'm here to have fun. And, you know, I, I made really good relationships with my teachers, with my coaches, some of like the people. So my cross country coach, and I can talk about him a bit, but he had one of the biggest effects on my life. And I think back to like, what, you know, what would my mindset be? What would I be like if I didn't encounter him and build that relationship with him in high school? So um, I, all I can really say is that I, I did really like high school. I'm still, so people tell me this is weird, but like, I still am in contact with all my high school friends, you know, we'll hang out a lot. And like, that's, I, I don't, I don't think that it's weird, but a lot of people will be like, Hey, like, I don't even talk to my high school friends or anything like that. And I'm like, no, I mean, I texted them like last night or whatever, you know, um, my main group of friends are friends. I was friends with from elementary school through high school. Like I don't even mm-hmm. really talk to a lot of people from college. My friends now are either people from that we work with yeah. or it's my friends that from high school. Right. So, yeah, so that that's, I think probably the people that say that it's not as weird are people that didn't have great high school experiences. Because if you build, if you're, when you're building those relationships at that age, it's like you're, you're building trust, you're building, you know, real relationship. And if, if it's, if it, like I said, if it is real, it's going to stick with you, you know, it's building it for life. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't think it's weird. I don't think it's weird at all. It's weird that people are saying it's weird. I think it's like, I don't talk, I only talk to one other person from high school, but I wouldn't say it's like Alexis, you told me you hang out with a lot of, I don't, I wasn't like, it's weird. <laughs> that's. But I think that that's a, a good point though, is that I do think that one, a lot of people graduate high school, like sometimes depending on where you go to college or what you do after high school, you just kind of lose contact with a lot of your high school group where you're only seeing them a couple of times throughout the year, if your breaks are the same time. So then I think for a lot of people, you just kind of grow apart unless it was like someone you were super close with and make it a point to stay friends with them. Um, But I think it's true. Like for my friend group and I, we all went to summer camp together and we went to different elementary, middle and high school. So we were used to kind of like that college format of you just had to find a time to hang out with each other and build that relationship. And so I'm thankful that we have because we'll talk back to like, remember in fourth grade when whatever, like, I love that I've been friends with them for so long. And I think, you know, for some people, like you're saying, their high school or middle school experiences weren't great. And then the when they left, they went to college, they found their group and had a great time and said like, Oh, forget everybody else. These are my, these are my people. So I was thinking, I don't know if anybody's ever seen the movie Dazed and Confused. No. Uh, Oh, okay. (laughs) I won't talk about it, but um, there's a character. I'll just mention, but there's a character, Randall Randall Pink Floyd. And he's like the quarterback of the football team in this high school in Texas. And he says, if I ever say that these are the best times of my life, like best time, this is the best time of my life. Like remind me to like end my life or whatever, you know? And I'm like, I I could never relate to to that. Cause I was like, man, I'm loving this. I I had this group of friends and this is a thinking back. It's obnoxious that we called ourselves this, but you you guys know Michigan basketball team Fab Five. Yeah, I like Chris Weber and all that. We we called ourselves the Fab Five because like we we did everything together. Um, you know, we always we were in like a lot of the same classes. We you know a lot of us did the same sports and just hung out. We were like a really 
tight knit crew. We called ourselves the Fab Five, and I don't know. It was just like one of those things that like you felt. I felt like belonging, and we did it mockingly as well, kind of be like you know as a joke. But it really was like you know amazing to think that I had like like four other people in my life that were like really supportive. I could go to, and it was like we were all best friends. Um, and that was like a unique time in my life where it's like, even now I have tons of friends. I, my friends always joke. Cause I'm always talking about like my buddy did this or my buddy did that. And they're like, how many buddies do you have? <laughs> but, uh, you know, like, like now I, have, I do have close friends, uh, now, but like back then it was just like, you know, just amazing to, to think about how close all of us were together at that time. So that's why I really did love high school. I'm not going Nothing wrong with that, especially during like your formative years, you need those like solid relationships. Like you said, it's teaching you how to form relationships, how to keep relationships, like what you value, what's important in a friend to you. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that's great. I think people should, I hope people would enjoy their high school experience and look back on it and I don't know, have some fond memories, not hate the whole thing. Like you're going to miss it when it's over. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tell my, so I, I really love teaching financial literacy because it allows me to like just talk about life experiences and things like that. And I, I tell like my students quite a bit that, you know, a lot of you do have jobs. A lot of you have, you know, have bills that you're, you're already paying. I understand that. But right now is like the best time for you to, to save money, to live life, to get experiences because like you don't really have any responsibility. Like people are so in, like hurt, like in such a hurry to get out of high school to graduate, it seems like. And I just want to be like, yo, just slow it down, live, live where you're at. Cause, cause once you leave, like life's different. I, I don't, I don't believe in like the real world. I just mean, it's just a different world. Like you're living in the real world your whole life, but it just changes. And that's just part of life. But you know, I don't want, I hate it. Honestly, it's like, sometimes I feel like really sad when I see people being like, I can't wait to get out of this place. And I want to say like, I understand that it's tough, but in general, life doesn't always not, I don't know how to put this right. It's not that it doesn't get easier things like you learn more, you get better, but your responsibilities increase. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. But, you know, the freedom that you have to experiment, to learn again, to like save, to spend your time experiencing new things is never, you're never going to have more of that time than you have now. So I, you know, like I said, I, I just tell them to slow down and I, Again, I, I like I don't want to say it's bad being an adult. Like it's much better being an adult. I said this to somebody else, but like, listen, I'm an adult. I can save lots of money. I, I don't even have any kids or anything like that right now. So like, if I wanted to go to Rome this summer, I could spend money and travel by myself. You know, I can buy the car that I want. I can do all these things, and I have freedom. Mm-hmm. I do have that freedom, but I also have a whole lot more responsibility. That the time of freedom that I have to express my freedom is less, right? I don't know if that makes any sense to you guys or not, but like, I just want to encourage them to live in the time that they're at and not try and get out of it and then take every season as it comes, you know, don't, don't rush anything. Yeah, no, totally makes, that totally makes sense. And again, I think what you're saying, you know, like you said before, like as a teacher, our responsibilities from September to June are so like are constant that mm-hmm. like you're saying going to Rome over the summer, like you can, your free time is only, is based on around the rest of your responsibilities right. and mm-hmm. what else you have to get done. Um, and high school, uh, I think high school is what you make of it. So if you don't, 
like it, you're probably not involved in something. You probably haven't put yourself out there to meet the people around you and get to know the people around you. Like you were saying, you were in sports teams, you were doing musical theater, you're doing everything. I was involved in clubs. I was involved in sports teams. I was involved in a lot of different activities that allowed me to meet different people and grow as a person and see, okay, this is what I like. And I definitely don't like that. So I'm not doing that again. Um, and you just were, you make it whatever you want it to be. Yeah. I, that is like, and for a lot of high schoolers, not, like I sympathize with this too, but that's a big hump to get over. Cause I can remember starting all these things and being, and like feeling again, like I said, I felt like I, I didn't have a lot of friends, uh, when I first started high school, but like deciding that I'm just going to do some, do something, right. I'm going to join clubs, join teams. And I can remember feeling like that, like pushback or that pullback to be like, no, I don't want to go through that initial awkward phase where I don't know anybody. You know, I, I, you feel like everybody's looking at you, judging you for everything you did. Like I started running cross country. I was never great, but I, I think my first race freshman year, I ran like 30 minutes and I can remember like finishing the race and like people clapping for me because I finished and being like, this is the worst experience of my life. But, <laughs> but if I had quit there or decided that it wasn't worth pushing through, like I never would have, like now I wouldn't be motivated to be the track coach. I would never have met like the mentor that I was talking about before. Uh, I might, I would not have built the relationships with my friends that are on the team. Right. So, so there is that like initial pushback that you just need to push through. And a lot of people aren't, you know, it's, it's, especially in times like this, like they don't have, they talk about motivation. I'm not motivated to do it. And sometimes you just got to forget about motivation and just do it. Again, how you're saying that those friendships can help like you learn how relationship building and trust and being involved in a lot of different things. It also creates that determination, motivation, uh, responsibility for when you get into your job. Like I started at Overbrook and you have those same feelings when you start a new job, you're nervous. Are people looking at me? Are they judging me? Are they laughing at me for something Mm -hmm. I said? Like you always are going to have those thoughts, but it's okay, whatever. I've felt this before. So how do I do this? And when you're used to doing so many different things and having your plate kind of full in high school, then when you get to your job, you're not feeling overwhelmed by all of the responsibilities. You know, the three of us are involved in a lot of different parts of Overbrook. And I think it correlates to, we've always been involved in a lot of different things as we were growing up. And so you just get used to like, yeah, this is what I do. I just do a lot of things and I do them all pretty well. And you don't realize you learned that skill in high school juggling all of those events and like it's funny actually you're talking about come so i can remember vividly my first day here remember we we always or i guess not this year but we would meet in the cafeteria right and i can remember walking in feeling like i was in the lunchroom like ninth grade lunchroom and it was this experience that i was like i've it was so weird i was just like i feel like i'm in high school again (laughs) <laughs> and like, everyone's talking and saying hello. And, you know, they're all obviously like everyone obviously knows each other already. And and like, how was your summer? Like, oh, like we're doing this. blah blah. blah. And I'm like, whoa, I don't know who to talk to. I don't know where to sit. I'm like, I think I like pulled up next to like some random person that looked like they were also confused at what was happening. And, <laughs> and I was like, all right, like we're doing this. Like, um, um, this is a new experience and I haven't, or not a new experience, but I haven't experienced it in a while. And, and then, um, 
you know, the, the good thing <laughs> was that like everyone in Overbrook was aw- like quickly found out that everyone was awesome. I think that uh, Mrs. Corey, like I forget who I made. I think I made friends with Steve. Mm-hmm. And then like Mrs. Corey started talking to me, Jen Corey, and she I remember her saying to me my first year, she's like, you're lucky. I said, why? She said, we don't generally talk to new year teachers <laughs> or first year teachers. I was like, that's not true. She's like, you're right. But, uh, you know, <laughs> Jen doesn't, she doesn't like change, but everyone else. Well, yeah. But what, but I was like, when I got here, I was like, everyone was like so nice. Like they'd be like, let's, you know, let's go out, you know, uh, you know, hang out after work and let's do all this stuff and coaching help. They went out with that as well, but it was, it was a cool experience, but uh, initially it was a chemical experience, but initially it felt like, yeah. Oh, no, like I'm, I'm scared again. <laughs> I totally forgot that those in-services start in the cafeteria. Yeah. So we've talked about this before on the podcast, Melissa and I, about how you always like new staff always have to share a fun fact yeah. in the cafeteria, in the theater in front of everybody, but we've never did speak on how, when you start there, you, everyone's in the cafeteria eating breakfast before the day begins and you just walk in like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Yeah. And like God, yeah. never having taught before, never like literally walking into high school for basically the first time in 15 years and just being like, all right, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. I'm back. But then it just shows like that feeling of like something and that never goes away. That feeling of like, I'm starting a new experience or I'm yeah. feeling like you just got to push yourself to do it. Like, Mm-hmm. You can't back out and say I'm not going to start my job because I'm I'm feeling right. uncomfortable or awkward. Like you got to you got to do it. And yeah. doing all of those things in high school or putting yourself like out there in the world yeah. helped a lot to be able to go in oh, yeah. and step into a cafeteria full of the whole district is in there too. It's not everybody. Just the high I don't school. know. It's, yeah, you don't know who's it's the middle school, <laughs> the two elementary schools, and the high school all in that cafeteria. So you don't even know who's working just at the high school. I did. So I did say to myself and I, I did do this is that I, I'm like, I'm going to remember this. And then next year, if I see someone like blindly wandering around, I'm going to actually try and go to that person and talk to them. Um, and I think I forget. I think I did find somebody and I was like, hey, I was you. Like, You just want somebody to connect with you. Right. Um, I think that I was also fortunate too because uh, Mr. Angeletta and I shared a classroom um, my first year here so like I was able to really build a relationship with him as mm-hmm. well. so like but it, it's good it's like you just want to connect with somebody and once you get that one connection it's kind of like my high school experience like then you can you start branching out and like you can build more more relationships and things like that I, I remember though my first year all I look back on it now my first year I only taught like I taught financial literacy in Google Drive and it really was not compared to like the course load I have now was not challenging. And I look back and I'm like, how are you so stressed? But that first year of teaching was like, no, like the most stressful year of my life. Like I felt like I had to learn how to be like a classroom manager, be a teacher and coach all these things. And I'm still learning obviously, but like do it and and like have it done like on day one, because I'm going to have 25 kids coming into my classroom and Obviously, it's not possible to learn all that in one day, but it does feel like you need to have some experience to handle it. And I had a couple of classes my first year with, with you know, just some chat, like person. I love challenging personalities. I really do. But they're still challenging. Um, and I can remember like not knowing how to handle certain things, like just kids just getting up and wandering around the classroom and being like, uh, 
where, where are you going or something, something like that, you know, and just like not knowing how to handle like simple things that now as a teacher, you're just like, hey, sit, sit down, you know, um, I don't know, and just like coming to work and being like, what's going to happen today? Like, and, and now it's a good thing. It's like, all right, something different could happen today. Like, you know, it's, it's variety. Then it was like, I, if something happens and I don't know how to handle it, like, what am I going to do? Um, yeah. It really is the only job that you're just like thrown in. Like you have your student yeah. teaching, but you didn't even have your student teaching. I didn't teaching. have that. Right? Yeah. But even that, like you're, it's still not your class. Like at the end yeah. of the day, like it's still that teacher's class who set those initial rules, who will be able to reprimand and like whatever. So, but then you're just like, once you get your first job, it's just like, here's your keys. Good luck. <laughs> and you're yeah. just like, shouldn't like, it just feels like every other job you have, like, internships and years of training before you're like on your own yeah and then but this is like a very interesting experience like we do obviously you know we 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 like have responsibilities and we get we have to be observed and things like that but like on a daily basis it's impossible for someone to like watch everything that we do right like no one no one can like observe every single class because there's just there's just too many teachers too much to do so like but when you're at another job like so say I'm an accountant and I put like a file out there for somebody's expenses or I put a budget together, like everything I do is reviewed at some higher level, right? Whereas like you have like, you're basically the, the end of the road in terms of like responsibility in your classroom for the most part, right? You have, we have support for, we have a lot of support for, you know, administrators and stuff, but like, you know, they don't have the time to, to like figure out every little thing that's going wrong in your classroom like you're the one that has to figure it right out. like that's your domain so yeah. you've got to figure out the rules and the right. regulations in your and how your you're domain. gonna handle yeah. all of it yeah. <laughs> um, and I I do remember having like this moment so second my second year here this is now my third but my second year I got a new classroom which kind of actually expanded and allowed me um, I'm in like one of the old computer labs and it allowed me to really monitor like student behavior a little bit better. And I can remember though, I, I had a moment my second year where like to being like, oh, like I'm, I'm no longer afraid. As, as not, not that I was afraid, you know what I'm saying? But like, mm-hmm. I just remember having one day at work, like a legit like moment being like, I, this doesn't, this doesn't scare me anymore to, to like be in a classroom full of kids. And that was a big To be moment. intimidated, to be intimidated yeah, by, because like most people, teenagers are one like intimidating like they are like you always see those like tweets of like i'm most scared of walking past a group of teenagers like and as an adult but it's like we're standing in front of 25 teenagers and it can be intimidating like you definitely got to find your footing and be like i am the authority figure in the room right like and even like little things too like you're it's weird to think but like i'll show up to an accounting job and be like ah my tie doesn't match my shirt or something like that right i'm like oh whatever you come into school and, and I'm like, oh no, my shirt doesn't match or something like that. And you're like, I've got like, I'm going to see a hundred kids looking at me and I'm not matching today. And <laughs> they'll you know, tell you. And they'll tell you. I know. <laughs> they'll be like, oh, you're wearing that today. <laughs> I'm like, okay, relax. And then for the rest of the day, you're like, can I find a sweater or something to cover up? <laughs> Or it's like, Mr. Prescott, there's somebody's like, you got a big coffee stain. I know I have a big coffee stain. Thank you very much. <laughs> I remember like my second, no, it was probably last year because it was like a group that I had like was pretty comfortable with. They were like, 
why are you just like a grandma today? And I was like, why are you guys so rude? Like, who says that to their teacher? It's just like not nice. <laughs> so then I was like going the whole day, like asking people, do you think I look like a grandma today? <laughs> like, who says that? <laughs> you know what? I honestly, I respect the honesty and I, res- I respect it. That, they, that they're just like, you know what? We're going to let it fly. Because in a lot of ways, I am like that as well. To my friends and stuff, I'll be like, yo, you know, you, uh, you're not looking great today. You know what I'm saying? Like people that I'm, I'm close with. I can remember buddies. my buddies. I had one buddy that, uh, so I, we were looking at an old friend who had put on some weight and which was fine. But, but he, I said, you know, I said, he used to be in really good shape. You know, I, I wonder, you know, like if he, if he stopped working out or something like that. And then he's like, my friend goes, you know, like, why, you know, why are you judging him that way? Kind of. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't mean to judge him. I'm just, I just made an observation. And he goes, well, what about me? And I was like, <laughs> I said, you've looked better. <laughs> just kind of like joking. And then it, it like, he's like, immediately he's like, I can beat you in any athletic event. And like, and I'm not even kidding. And he goes like, my, we always talk about this, but he's like, we set like a 50 day timeline. And he's like, we're both going to train for 50 days. And then we're going to have this competition. And like, it was all these athletic events, like, or like, it was like weightlifting and running and all this stuff. I'm like, all right, whatever. So in 50 days, we did this like decathlon and we tied five to five, five events to five events. Oh, wow. But, but um, yeah, so that's just a buddy of mine. <laughs> I, I get to, I, that always to say, I get the sentiment of being like, just like letting things fly. Um, but it is, it's scary to, to mm-hmm. think of what they might say about you or like what they're thinking about you, even in their brains and not saying. Mm-hmm. But even most of those students that will say something like even Melissa, when you were saying the students who said you looked like a grandma, like you prefaced it by saying it was a group that you were really close with. Like mm-hmm. a lot of students who will make those comments are students that feel so comfortable yeah. with you. They're just yeah. like, trying to joke around with you and continue to build a relationship with you. Um, The students who very rarely do I get a comment like that from a student that I'm not like, don't have a very strong relationship with. Um, And if I do, they're usually just have been rude. And then I'm like, okay, enough from Uh, you. (laughs) Sometimes. Yeah. Like when you have those, like you build those relationships, like, some some students call me bro all the time, and I'm like, do I let this happen? Do they do I let them call me bro? And I'm like, it's fine. You know what? As long as the relationship's there, I'm fine with it. But yeah, it, you're right. It's like it's when when you do build that relationship, and it's it's kind of like a win almost that that you have that relationship, and the kid feels comfortable enough, or the student feels comfortable enough to to like mess around with you, or to, to um, you know offer maybe a little bit too much critique or whatever. But if they weren't in that relationship with you, they would, you know, they wouldn't be able to say that. So it's, mm-hmm. it is a win in, in, a, in a lot of ways. Especially like you're at the high school level, because right. in elementary right. school, those kids automatically love you because you're their teacher. Right. And at the middle school, they're still like kind of in that in between. But at the yeah. high school, I feel like you really have to work for those kids, for yeah. our kids to respect you, to love you, to want that relationship right. with you. Like, so this is your third year and it has you mentioned in the beginning in your introduction, it's like been a year and a half because half of last year and all of this year so far have been very unprecedented and everyone's having to adjust kind of in these different ways. So what have you, um, and you mentioned that you coach 
so last spring you had started the boys mm-hmm. track team, right? Because yeah. we spoke with Mr. Nikolai last week and he was saying with the girls. So how did you kind of support those, the athletes through that shift into virtual learning? So for last year, um, it was really tough on us because we didn't know what was going to happen. And most of the questions that were coming in from my athletes were like, all right, when are we going to get back on the track? Can I practice? Um, and honestly, that it just like broke my heart when I realized that we're, we're not going to be able to have a season. So um, some of my, my favorite athletes, well, I've only had two years, but I, I had some amazing athletes. One of them, uh, Yudoka Odemene, was going, I, like, I was just so excited to ha- have him for the spring season. Cause I, like in the winter season, like I really worked hard with him and, and like he put in so much work and then athletes like Vince uh, Hines and Tayshawn Burrell were, were going to be, I think, you know, state qualifiers, hopefully. Uh, so initially, you know, just trying to break it to them that there wasn't going to be a season, I think was very difficult, but um, really what we did was we just um, put together a, a Google classroom. And then I try to have Google meets with them if they wanted to hop on it. Um, and talk through. I'd call them to see, you know, how they were doing. Uh, I tried to call uh, and make sure that, you know, that even if, you know, working out or anything, at least, you know, uh, athletically, at least maybe they were doing all right in school and, and, and checking on their mental state that way. But it was a difficult time. I think I was probably more, not more, but just as like heartbroken in that time as they were. I went through a, a state, like, I remember when the I don't know if I really said this to anybody, but after I remember when the, the quarantine first started, I was making videos. I thought it was going to only be like two weeks. And then like I hit like a serious patch of what I feel is like actually depression. Like I went through like two or three weeks in April where like I just like was out of it. And like I wanted to leave my house. Like I, I thought that I was going to have a great season. And yeah, and I, and I just made me think about how like, you know, what are my students going through right now? Like they're seniors and, and you know, a lot of them lost that experience. Um, so basically, I was just, it's a lot of remind and like talking to them on the remind and being like trying to get them at, if they wanted to, to run in college, get my seniors at the ability to run in college. I, I, maybe I should have focused a lot more on the younger people too, but my main, my main focus on this was on those seniors because those are the ones that my heart really went out to and, and hurt the most for. I guess to transition, like it kind of set, it set us up for this question of, because last week we talked to Alec Nikolai, who also was kind of talking about this, like we talked in general about our feelings that we were having during quarantine and like the anxieties that came from it and maybe even the anxieties yeah. that came before quarantine, but kind of also like the feeling of I'm just stuck here with my own thoughts and I have nothing to do and there's nowhere to go. And is this ever going to end? So I think we all kind of coped with it in different ways, but like, was there anything specifically that you did to kind of just rein yourself back in or pull yourself kind of out of that state of just like, uh, so that time, uh, like one thing I did was I started exercising again. Honestly, I know that's just a simple thing, but um, yeah, I, I just started running a little bit and and then like trying to at least get out of the house because I felt like for that the initial period, like we were just in the house and like I I, I knew I had to get out. Um, and then I had, went through a period where I was just like calling friends and like at least trying to you know set up Zoom meetings and, and trying to have some social connection because I am like I just thrive on I love people and like I just I'm the kind of person like I want to be around people. When I can't be around people, I'm, I'm drained by that. And I know a lot of people are drained by being around people. I'm the opposite. Like, I just want to be where people are. Um, so I had to like- Social re- butterfly, as my right, mom yes. would call it. <laughs> yes. So I had to try and make social connections. And then um, I actually did go, I talked to my doctor about it. 
you know, and, and, you know, kind of said like, Hey, this is what you know I'm, I'm doing. And, and I did, I, you know, I, a lot of people, there's like therapy is, is not, I know sometimes it's got a weird statement, but I, I did call a therapist. Um, and I went to therapy for a few sessions. You know, I'm not like my brain is not perfect. I still like I'll have periods now where I still struggle and, and like it'll it'll be tough because we're still in that quarantine. But, you know, I just kind of put things in place where it's like one of those things that I do put in place, especially is, is coming to school on Wednesdays. But but I had to really put like guidelines in place for myself to, to not let my brain get back to that that point where it was. And I'm good at it sometimes. I'm bad at it sometimes. But like the, the reality is, is like. You know, if you have a bad day, and I, I actually encouraged my track team with, with this the other day, is that, like, if you have a bad day, that's not who you are. Like, you got to judge yourself by, like, your good days. Like, I use it in a running sense, but I said, like, if you have a really good practice day, if you have a really good race, like, it's not a fluke. This is one of the uh, rules of running. Jack Daniels rule, rules of running is, like, there's no such thing as a fluke run. Like, if you did it, you did it. Like, you're capable. Your body is absolutely capable, right? Same deal with, like, I had a good day. Like, I... You know, I ran, I, I was able to, you know, reach out to friends, you know, I, I served people today, whatever it was, like, that's who I am. It's not the bad days. So I, I try to remember that. And then um, another big thing, which, and like I said, I fail sometimes at it, but another big thing I've done is I made a list of, I actually call it man your territory, my, my list that I've made together. It's on my phone. And I put like, there's certain things that I have to do each day to try and keep my sanity. So like one of them is like, I, I read. Um, I, I have something there. Just read for 10 minutes a day. Another one is I, um, I'm a, a very strong Christian, honestly. So I pray for 10 minutes a day. And, and then that's just, that's like kind of like meditation as well. It's like, you know, just kind of like thinking about life, processing it, and then like putting it up to God and be like, help me with this situation. And then like a third thing I do is I, I wish I would have been better about this recently, but I started journaling. So like that, like there's the list is like 12 things long, but you know, those are just certain things that I do. And, and journaling helps a lot in, in the sense that like you, you can just take your thoughts and, and things that maybe you can't process well in your brain. Like you just kind of get them on paper and, and write them down. And um, it really does help you like kind of sort out your thoughts. Cause like once it's on paper, like you don't have to think about the thought anymore. Like you can, you can like process it and you can read through it and, and figure out what's going on. So um, those are like, you know, there, there's other things too, like that I, that I put in, like just as like life things, like you have to clean your room, right. Which I'm very bad at honestly, but like, like you can't just not clean your room, right. That's gotta be something that you do. You have to do laundry, right. All these things like where you, can I get by if I didn't do them? Like if I just let myself lay in bed all day, like, yes. But like, like, these things, like you need to do them to keep structure in your life. So that that was a big step for for me to, to try and do that and at least set some standards for my my life so that I didn't let everything you know fall away when I could have. Yeah, that was great advice. Great a great chunk of um, advice there. And I also like the fact that you said the part about the stigma and the therapy, because that's exactly what we talked about last week too, is that there's this stigma around like discussing mental health and maybe that's going more by the wayside. I mean, you even bringing it up now, like hopefully the stigma kind of goes away, like going to therapy is okay. Speaking yeah. to your doctor about what you're feeling is okay. okay. So yeah. And I think that's, you haven't heard it yet, but tomorrow in the episode, our first episode comes out, like Alexis and I are going to talk about more of the goal of this season is to discuss things like mental health and to discuss things like what yeah. we've been doing during these times. So I think that was great advice. And it was, um, you know, what works for one person might not work for the other, but you got to test things out. What will work for you? What will kind of help you? Right. So even, 
even in my, my, like myself, I talked to my doctor and like, I didn't want to say the word depression really. Like I didn't think that, you know, I've always been like a positive person. Um, you know, I've had issues in the past where like, you know, I've had like rough times or whatever, but like in general, I come in, I try to smile. I want to like show people kindness and things like that. And like, I'm just positive. I just want to be positive. Um, like I said, I love people, but even in those sessions, like I'd be like, I don't know, like maybe I feel depressed, but I don't think so. And the doctor was like, no, like you're, you're describing depression and like, that's okay to say that. So, um, and, and I've been able to use that uh, like certain times with students. Cause they'll, they'll say like, I'm suffering with depression. Like you'll get emails. I'm sure you guys have as well. And, and I'll say, listen, I understand exactly like how that feels. So, um, you know, let me know if you, if you should talk to somebody, it doesn't have to be me, but like talk to somebody and, and let them know, because, you know, it's not, it's not something that you need to hide or, or, um, you know, you, or just let happen. Like you can work through it and, and, you know, there's people that love you and want to support you, you know, so, so utilize those people. Yeah. I think we think depression has to be this huge thing, like that you're just like, feel so down and out on yourself and you just don't want to get out of bed and you just want to lay in this yeah. like dark room. I feel like that's how it's been mm-hmm. like pictured, like painted to be yeah, like, yeah. this is what depression is. So then when you're feeling it, like for just two weeks where you just kind of feel off, you're not mm-hmm. really that happy about anything. You're not cleaning your room. You're not right, doing right. those daily tasks. Like depression can look like anything you're yeah. like it doesn't have to be this, this one over, thing, yeah. suffocating right. feeling it can be that like little feeling just like i'm not happy about anything that's mm-hmm. going and, on and it could be simply just like you not not wanting to reach out to people or you like wanting to isolate yourself that's like a big thing mm-hmm. is like you used to want to go hang out with friends but all of a sudden you know you don't want to talk to anybody and, and that's a change but like it's not like you're not sitting in your bed, like in the dark, like you said, just your nail, you're not, you're not trying to reach out to people. You're not trying to talk to people or simply like you just, the things that you used to love, like you no longer want to do. So like, you know, right. you don't want to run or something like that. You don't want to, I don't even, I don't even know. You don't want to, you know, play, you know, video games or whatever. And that's not a good answer, but the things that you used to love, you no longer want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like you're just going through the motions almost of everything. So then also join last spring and we asked Alec Nikolai this last week um, was the murder of George Floyd and kind of this resurgence of Black Lives Matter. Um, And so on top of dealing with these, you know, new mental health, what what could be new mental health um, Mm -hmm. issues for some people um, and like this kind of anxiety of like what's coming next and this unknown. And then you have these huge social events uh so did you and the boys track team like did you guys talk about that where it did you offer some type of support for them for that so i was like i didn't i'm gonna be honest i didn't Mm. i didn't talk to any of them about it but i wasn't really sure how like how to talk about it i think um it was all very new Mm -hmm. and and like i'm not like i think i i may have reached out maybe once but like i i personally was like, I don't particularly know, you know, what to say in this, this instance. And I think I let that kind of stop me also that just being like confused about everything in general with the situation as well. I kind of let that, let, let that stop me from addressing anything like that because like there, I was like, what if they ask me questions? I don't have the answer to or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. So unfortunately I, I probably could have done a better job there, but I don't think anybody even reached out to me about it. And I, you know, part of me was just like, 
relieved because I was like, all right, well, you know, to be honest, I was like, I, I wouldn't know how to address. But yeah, you know. I feel like that. I, I think I was so curious as to what your answer is because knowing the boys that were on that track team, I wasn't real. Like your answer of they didn't really reach out is not necessarily surprising to me. Like Alec Nikolai had mentioned that some of the girls had like reached out to him and the girls just kind of wanted to talk it out. So I was just, you know, again, showing that difference between those high school boys and those and the high school girls. And that's not saying they probably should have reached out and I should have reached out to them. Um, so they, they probably had the same thoughts as like, as the girls team did and wanted to talk about it. But like um, a lot of times, like guys really do have more of a, just as uh, like in general, guys have more of this like uh, hesitancy to, to talk about tough issues because we're supposed to be know all the, know everything or have all the answers almost not that we are, we are supposed to be, but we feel like we are in a, mm-hmm. in a real sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think when, you know, something pops up and it, it gives us pause, like we just are hesitant to talk about it. Like, like I said, even with like the mental health illness stuff, it's like, like we don't, we don't want to talk about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, every guy, obviously. But, but I think in the same way you were saying, like you were confused, also yourself just confused by all of the events and trying to process it yourself as well. Like I think we've mentioned this before, like as a teacher, we're still just human beings living in the same society. And sometimes we will put our students before we put ourselves and say like, well, what can I do to help them? What can I do to help them? But then if I haven't processed it myself, then I'm not in a place to To help and help anybody because I'm still very much like, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure this out myself. I saw it at the same exact time and the same exact way that you saw it. So in the same way you're asking me questions, I have those same questions. So it's almost like working through it with them or just, you know, like you said, just if you're here, if they reach out, but right now you needed to focus on figuring that out for you. Do you feel like more comfortable now if it were brought up to you or do you still feel like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't really want to like, I don't still know or. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I've definitely, I process. oh, now it's been months, and I've processed everything, and I think I know exactly, like, my thoughts, but, like, I've also, I'm a, I'm very, like, cerebral, like, I think through everything, so, like, it's rough to be, like, I don't know what to say for me, because it's, like, I want to be able to, to, to say, but now, I, like, I can, I can talk towards it, and, I, and, and, like, there's, because I, I think I have a unique perspective, too, as, as I, like, think through it, is that I have, I'm a, a actually a very conservative person, and I have, like, a lot of times is like if you're a conservative person, like you just kind of and same same for people that are liberal or on the left, right? It's like they they have only one group of friends, and everything they hear is kind of like an echo. They call it the echo chamber, right? So it's like a lot of my conservative friends only talk to other conservatives, and and like they have this perspective of the whole situation. And then you talk to to um, a lot of people that are on the other side, and they they you know they have a completely different perspective. And a lot of times they're not talking, or you don't get both sides. But I, like, I, I just feel blessed that, like, I don't, I'm not in, like, any, like, I don't feel like I'm with, held down to any particular, like, belief. And, and like, if something is presented to me that I need to change my mind about, I need to, I'm capable of doing that. So, like, I don't know. And also, I, I think I just have better personal experiences. But in, in this instance, it's like, I think, and this is very controversial, but the term Black Lives Matter on the, on the right is a big issue. Like a lot of people like, and it's not because they don't think the term is meaningful, but it's because of like, there's an organization that they don't agree with a lot of the political leanings of like, you know, just certain things that they've come out and saying, this is what we support. This is what we support. But it's hard for them 
on the on the right to like distance themselves from like you can say Black Lives Matter and not not being like but I, you know not saying that you're throwing your full support behind everything that the organization stands for right because the term itself who in the world would not agree with the term Black Lives Matter right so like how and like the idea that that like all lives matter and I get that too and I, I get people's hearts when they say that but in the same sense it's like we're, we're trying to highlight an issue, right? So it's like all lives matter, obviously, but like right now we're trying to elevate like the importance of, you know, you know, this issue that, 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 you know, in America, you know, racism has, has, you know, come up through, you know, generations and we need to address that. Right. And I, and I get, so I can talk to them and I, and I know that like a lot of times we, we look at opposite sides and, and the first thing that we do is we imply bad intentions to that to that side where it's, it's like, I think we just need to stop that. And we just need to say like, Hey, uh, like maybe we don't agree on everything, but I see that your intentions are this are good. And, and we need to figure out like, how can we come to an agreement that like, this is how we, we go forward. Because I, if we could getting the, like the, the right, the conservatives behind like, figuring out solutions as well, like that's where the power lies, right? Once we get that both, we can move forward and figure out how to fix our issues. Um, and not to make, make it, I don't really talk about politics a lot with anybody, but like, you know, once we can find common ground, then maybe like we can move forward. And that's, that's one thing that, you know, this time is, politics has always been polarizing, honestly, but like this time it feels at this point in time in my whole life, I feel like this is the first point where like, there's like animosity between the sides. Um, which is like, how do we stop that? Because that's not going to help anything. But in, in a very real sense, is like, you know, people need to, like, even if you don't agree with everything that's said. So, for instance, like, uh, uh, was it uncomfortable conversations uh, with a black man, like Emmanuel Acho? Like, that's great. And like, he, they, like, I'm not gonna lie. There's a lot of stuff that he says where I'm like, I'm not sure I agree with that. But like, still, just like understanding the perspective that he's coming from and saying like, your perspective does matter, right? So, mm-hmm. so like, we need to. Like we need to listen to you. This is kind of where I, I think about it. Is like, <clears throat> so you talk to, to a black person, and they're like, "Yeah, like I've been eyed in the grocery store. I've been like stopped for this." And it's like, but then you talk to a, you know a white person, like, "Well, just tell them to follow the, you know, follow the rules, and just you know, if, if a police officer stops you, you know, just talk to them and and be calm." And I like, and I get that perspective too. But I just watched a video like literally just recently where a kid was walking home from Walmart in the cold um, in and Texas, in Texas. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have any, I mean, it's Texas. So he didn't really have, probably didn't even have like a winter coat or anything, but someone called the cops uh, for a welfare check. Right. And a welfare check's not like a criminal thing or anything like that. I just want to say uh, this kid's wandering around in the cold. Like, so the cops approached this, this boy, he's a high schooler. And they're like, Hey, we just want to check on you. But the dude was just like, I'm good. Like I'm walking home from work. And, um, he ended like bottom of the line, he ended up getting arrested and, you know, he didn't die or anything like that, which is good. But like the reality is that that situation could have escalated and the cops should have just been like, Oh, he's fine. Like this is a welfare check. We don't need to initiate. And, and then everything would have been all right. And I, and like, I, I have, I've, I have trouble criticizing anything because I'm not a cop. I don't understand the situation, but like, how do we, how do we get that? And you know, that mentality where it's like, all right, we should not escalate. And I'm not saying most cops probably are like able to, to figure that out. Um, but like, 
I can I can only imagine like this 18 year old kid just walking home from from work and like the cops are harassing him and he's he's just like I didn't do anything like why would you not get mad right um and and for an 18 year old who, who even said I, I had anger issues it's like for an 18 year old that like has anger issues like he might not even know how to respond in the first place so like why are you cuffing him so it's 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 tough like I, it's such a weird delicate situation but it's like how you know it's obviously there's something there and like to, to just blindly say that there's no issues going on with how we police and things like that is, is not an accurate statement. And I don't have any solutions or anything, but I think the first thing is just recognizing that, that there is at least some level of problem that needs to be fixed. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And definitely that recognition. Cause then once it's recognized, you can talk about it. I think right. so much of it is so much of the animosity comes from people on either side of the argument, not wanting to recognize, you know, an issue. And so you then just say like, okay, well, we're agreeing to disagree. Or you're like, well, I hate you now. So we're not not talking to you either. And we're not talking about it or we're not talking at all. And that's not getting, like you said, it's not getting anyone anywhere. And you think of your, you think of your students, right? That 18 year old boy could be anyone from any boy at Overbrook High School, right? And so I think, you know, we get so nervous to have these conversations, but I think it's why I think it's so important to have those conversations with our kids because it's like, it's a scary situation, but you, even through your anger issues, just like have to find some way to stay calm or, it's true. you know, no. Because they, I know them and I know that some of them would automatically get worked up. And I think that's also yeah. where it's like, no, we have to recognize this issue in policing and them not being able to, you know, do a welfare check without escalating a situation. Uh, some of them, and as you said, not every police officer, because that could be my student. And that 18 year old, as you said, is lucky he didn't, he was able to go home and be with his parents i listen to so a lot of my guidance that i like been going to too is a lot of christian preachers that that have have like kind of spoke on the issue and uh one of my favorite preachers is this guy matt chandler and he um talked about a situation where like he has a a a friend who's a black pastor and he's married to a white woman and they got pulled over and the cop says to his wife like are you in are you in danger man like do you want to get out of the car as a pastor the the black man was allowed to process it not well, just as like a mature human being, be like, like okay, like that's crazy that you just asked that because that's my wife, but I'm not gonna freak out. But like, can you imagine how like if that was me, like I feel like I would have freaked out, right? And like it's hard to ask, it's it is hard to stay calm in, on those instances. But I think like when I think about like my parents talking to my brother about like when you get pulled over, like you have to stay calm. Like I think that that's like the that's the difference. Like, you know, you feel like you could have just freaked out. Whereas that black man in that car knew I can't freak out because I will have a different outcome than Chris Prescott would have if he freaked out with the police officer. And right there, like, that's what that issue is. You know, like if you get, it's true. Like any black parent is telling their 
black children, okay, if you are coming to contact with the cop, you need to be respectful, you need to stay calm. And sometimes, you know, you see these videos or there's instances where there isn't a video and those people have stayed calm and their outcome has still been negative. So, you know, yeah, we have to stay calm. You have to just be respectful and do all of the things, but there's still an issue in the world of policing and how they're handling situations. And so, but, and, but again, both things can be true. And I think that's where we as a society are struggling is saying like, it's either cops are bad or you support everything that they're doing, but it's both things need to be true true as you need to stay calm, but there is an issue with police officers. It's just, yeah, it's the one, like the world is not black and white. Like you were saying, yeah. Alexis, like you can't just say it's either cops are bad, they're horrible, or I support everything they do. Like there's a gray area. There's a yeah. giant, massive gray area where you can support cops and you can still feel frustrated by some of the things going on in the world that have to do with police. But then teachers can be better. People like anyone, like there's so, it's not just cops. Like teachers are making flaws in that where they are profiling black boys and asking them when they're like, do they play basketball? Like that, like what if they've never played basketball? Like that's, they've never held a basketball, but you're assuming because he's an African American male who's maybe over five foot five that he plays basketball. Like there's, we've, we've all done things that are, like, I don't know, not wrong, but like that we could do better at. It's not just police, yeah, but like right. there's been a strong focus mm-hmm. on the fact that it's police that it's, it's hot. They're highlighted right, right now. Right. Cause police, when it comes down to it, are just people like you and me, right? It's a count. So, you know, they're just us and they have the same issues as we do. They just happen to have more authority, at the, you know, at their job. So, but we also have authority. So we need to look at, you know, ourselves and say like, you know, what, you know, what can I do to, to make things better? What, how can I change the situation? Um, in my, I, I, I like, ha, I'm a strong believer in like changing. So I, I think we can all change the world, but the way you start changing the world is just changing what you can control. So like, if I can be better, you know, I, you need to be better. And then, you know, maybe my example sets an example for somebody else and then their, their, their influence expands to other people. Right. So, so just start with what you can. Um, and then, you know, be, be better yourself. And, and if we all commit to that, then, you know, who knows, you know, what kind of influence we could have. Um, okay. So the last question um, we have is, have you found your true calling in sport commentating? Oh my word. I love it so much. <laughs> I like, I, I've only done it twice. Um, but you said, oh, my word. I, I, I like, didn't I had so much that fun. I had an opening to talk about this, but now that I'm here. <laughs> I, I, um, so I have so much to improve, obviously. but I, I really want to come up with my own catchphrase. So I'm like, kind of, I've been workshopping a few phrases. I don't know how many more games are left, but I really want to try and get as many as I can. And yeah, just like, it's just fun to like talk and then just like watch the games. I don't even know why I love it so much, but like you can make jokes and you can just riff and like, as long I'm a respectful person too. So I'm, you know, I'm not going to like ruin anything. And I think I do a good job doing both sides, but it's just fun to watch kids and celebrate when you're, when your student does well, or like, um, you know, just commentate on like the flow of the game. I'm not going to like say anything bad about the refs or anything, but it's like, you know, it's just fun to, to give your opinions about things. I guess maybe I like doing that as well. I, I'm not even kidding. Like I was like, I was like all that night I would just smile and, 
after I left Cape. So like, it's so much fun. It was so much. It's just fun. Like I love. Like well, you guys are also like you're the you're the super fans. But <laughs> yeah, we are. I love this, we have it on a shirt. <laughs> All right, Mr. Prescott, thank you so much. This is great. Yes, this is fun. Thank you. Yeah, I had a yeah. good time. Hopefully I, the things I said make sense. I feel like I'm uh, unable to like listen to myself, so we'll see. No, see it was good. It, it was, was good. good. All right.